We are continuing in our series on discipleship in the 21st century. Last week we... Whoops, my watch is talking to me. I'm going to turn you off. Um, Last week we talked about the core of everything being loving God. But this week we're going to then go from looking up to looking out and the challenge of cultural discernment. And I'll be sharing what that means in just a moment, but let's look at it through the eyes of the psalmist and look at Psalm 1, which really sets the the trend, the message for the whole rest of the psalms. Listen to the word of God. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Lord, guide us as we think on your word and on what that means for each of us in our lives, in our decisions, in our thoughts, in our hearts, in everything we have and are. For Lord, we seek to be yours. Lord, guide us, I pray, in Jesus' name. The, the relationship between our faith and the world has always been a challenge. Always. Christians have responded to the challenge of living in the world in, in different ways all the way back to the earliest days of the faith. Some, some have chosen to isolate themselves from the world. Some of the earliest monastic Christians were called anchorites, which means remove oneself from the world. And, and you can think of hermits, hermits who would go off and, 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 and completely discontinue their contact with the world. Today we have Christian communities who, where, where we have all of our friends and contacts are, are church people. And, and there's no intersection with the surrounding culture through which to connect. And we almost remove ourselves from the surrounding society and, and create our own. The negative of this is that there's no influence then on the society, no way to reproduce, no way to grow, no way of being salt in the world. On the other hand, there were early monastics called Cenobites. And those were the monastic traditions that would participate in and and become the center of the life of the community. 
and, and, and serve the villages and the cities that they were in. And, and you can think of these monastic movements, the ones that would be making bread for the community or, or, build, or being a hospital, or sometimes some of these monastic communities were great brewers and making beer. And that tradition, you can see it all the way through to the theologian Karl Barth 100 years ago saying that Christians should live with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. The contemporary church movement of the 70s and into the 90s sought to have a significance to the world as well. And, and then in the 90s, the missional church movement began, and it sought to be in the world, reaching out to the world, using many of the forms of the popular, popular culture, like many of the forms of music and, and, and fashion. In essence, kind of having the desire to make church the coolest place to be to connect with the world so as to serve it but of course that has its dangers and its problems as well often it it just wouldn't be very effective a, a very effective way of connecting to the world because it's hard to compete with the world in what the world is good at and and sometimes uh lines become crossed as well and the world ends up influencing the christians more than the christians being salt in the world and and often church becomes even indistinguishable from the world both of them are hard it's it's a hard thing how do we be christians in the world there's another way and it's very simply this it's just discernment discernment characterized by what has become a, a, a cliche phrase to be in the world but not of the world be looking at the world through the lens of jesus to see and celebrate that which is beautiful and good and to speak lovingly and with concern to that which is not to be salt in the world talked about that just a few weeks ago and this has more recently been termed an incarnational way of life, reflecting Jesus coming into our world and living in the world and serving the world, yet remaining purely himself and seeing everything for what it is. Hence another term, discernment. He could see it. Now, this has never been an easy way of living in the world as a believer. It's, it's, honestly, it's easier either to run to the world or to run from the world. And especially, it's, it's just getting harder in many ways as well. With the, the complexity and the anxiety of the 21st century, the world is changing and it has changed remarkably in the last 20, 30 years. Last week, I described our context in the world now as digital Babylon. And we are sojourners and exiles living in a land that is not our home. And this is less because the world, because the world is changing so dramatically in the past few decades. It has never been completely the home of the believer who is a citizen of the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven but 
it is true that the object of our discernment, this world, it is changing. It is changing. Today, everything is becoming more complex. And it's happening faster and faster. And the way, the way people are learning is different now. The primary place to look for answers, to, to quench the curiosity of questions, to live our lives to a great degree is on a screen. Very often a screen held in our hands. What kids used to go to parents for. Even our peers we would go to, our friends. We now pick up our phones. Not just kids, really all of us. And, and from the simplest of questions, like, like, what other movie have I seen that actor in? I'll immediately pick up my phone. And I'll find out in a, in a few moments. To the most personal of questions, the questions of, of self-esteem and, or human sexuality, on the other hand, these are incredibly powerful tools. I've, I've found resources online that I've learned so much from. I cannot express. They've not only kept me afloat in ministry, they've been a great source of my understanding of what's going on in the world, and of my call, of my own discernment. And it's been through authors and music. It's been through churches and faith organizations. It's been through podcasters and YouTube clips. I'm not advocating that we retreat from digital Babylon back to another apart-from-the-world Christian community. This is our world now. And we may not choose it, and it has new challenges for us, but the call is to live in it and to use its beneficial resources for the purpose of the kingdom. On the other hand, on the other hand, there are two, two, two dangers and a, and a hard result that I want to mention. First, you're always going to be able to find somebody on the Internet who will affirm whatever it is you're thinking or feeling, even if it's wrong. And, and have all the affirmation you want while going down a wrong or even destructive path. Second, it means we become informed powerfully and, and primarily by algorithms and an impersonal community one that is getting smarter and more influential at telling you what you want to hear and along the path selling everything it can to us to serve those interests. But this instantaneous access to information does not equal wisdom. It does not equal a godly perspective. And here are two common results of, of the power of all this. Denial and anxiety. Two of the deepest needs of humans are meaning and purpose. And those deepest needs are not met by impersonal information. David Kinneman, who's the, the source of this, um, not the sermon so much, but the, the structure of these, these five parts of, of uh, 21st century discipleship, he writes, the reaction of many people to these facts of exile is a low-level anxiety that never really goes away. 
and that occasionally ratchets up to a high level anxiety. A big part of this is that the relationship, the relationships we have with others, with the world, even with our own self-esteem, our own self-understanding, is so much more complicated. As they're lived out online and in social media, as the, as the road to adulthood is, is less predictable through all these obstacles, and growing up and learning relationships is getting harder. The way we live in the 21st century is different. It's more complex, and it, it, it doesn't facilitate those deepest human needs of loving connection with others and with God. And it's growing, growing more and more complex out there. But this is what we need. We need discernment. And this is what discernment means. There's a path through all this complexity and the speed at which things are happening and all the information that is flying by. And it is to have discernment about the culture, about our surroundings. It is neither to run away from it, nor is it to conform to it. I like how Kinnaman writes about this, and I think he's right. He, He writes... In order to live well and wisely in the complexity of digital Babylon and thereby diffuse anxiety, we must build our muscles of cultural discernment. The ability to compare the beliefs, values, customs, and creations of the world we live in, digital Babylon, to those of the world we belong to, the kingdom of heaven. And once we've made that comparison to anchor our lives, including our use of technology, to the theological, moral, and ethical norms of God's kingdom. It's clear that how a person thinks, what he believes, it makes all the difference to the resilience of their faith. And that changes everything. This is exactly what the psalmist is talking about in the first psalm. This is the introduction to the whole rest of the Psalter, to the the prayer book of the Bible. And he's he's not telling us to become legalists, to become lawyers of the Bible so that we can dot and cross every jot and tittle and to control God's feelings about us. We know God's feelings about us. He loves us. The psalmist says, delight in the law of the Lord. It means to find your joy in seeing all things through kingdom of heaven eyes. That's the the wisdom of cultural discernment way back then and now. And the fruit of cultural discernment, of of delighting in God's law, his will, his his perspective and his ways, it's it's not anxiety, oppression, fear, or dread. It is the blessing and the fruit of a strongly rooted tree. It is shalom and and the abundant life. This delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night. That's 
cultural discernment. This is not a process of looking for answers through algorithms, not being dazzled by our screens so that we forget to look for deeper wisdom. It is godly wisdom that speaks even to complexity and and heavenly perspective that calms our growing anxiety. When you consider all the prophets and the leaders during exile, it is wisdom that, that kept them grounded and alive as a people in a land that was not their own. Jeremiah, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Mordecai, and Esther, Peter, John, and especially Jesus. All of them were exiles and, and sojourners who sought to exercise wisdom and cultural discernment. This is being in the world, but not of the world. There's so many tools for cultural discernment. I'm just going to mention three very quickly. Three things I want to quickly mention. The first is, don't hide under a rock. We can't put the digital Babylon genie back in the bottle. We can't go back. Rather, we need to be intentional about how we respond and, and in how we help others respond, particularly those who are younger than many of us. Next week I'll be talking more about that, about the need for multi-generational relationships. Think about what our role is in speaking to the world. Consider your feelings about the culture. Are you overly enamored and dependent upon it or are you absolutely terrified of it what are your feelings about it what is your role in presenting christ in it secondly seems like the most obvious thing and i talked about it last week anchor to the bible anchor to the bible the bible has so much to say about the issues of digital babylon to to ambition and money to sex and anxiety and identity and victimization and trauma to all the complex things going on around us the bible is filled with speaking to all of it to the brokenness of our world But when we look at the biblical models in their exile, they always looked for and submitted to what God was telling them. Anchor ourselves in Scripture. And finally, like a good Boy Scout, be prepared. Be prepared. Don't just jump into the world. Prepare yourselves. Wake up in the morning and let your first thoughts be about God his love for you and who he's made you to be through Jesus Christ. Let your roots grow deep and drink from the river and your fruit will grow strong. I described cultural discernment at the beginning as a muscle to be exercised. I I started out a few weeks ago. I realized it's hard to like get out and living up here in the middle of winter, it's not really as wonderful outside to be taking long walks and doing that that great exercise and I needed to get some exercise and so I started working out and for the first few days afterwards 
Um, you could watch me trying to walk around here, uh, and, and, and it hurt. But after a few workouts, I began to feel stronger, and it doesn't hurt so much anymore. Cultural discernment is a muscle to exercise and make strong. And, and, and it's getting good at asking the right questions. It's seeing where God is in the story and where he isn't. Seeing creation, fall, redemption, and restoration in, in what is going on around us and responding with empathy and love and celebration with, with challenge, whatever is appropriate and godly, and lovingly sharing that discernment with others. Strengthen the discernment muscle. Strengthen it with prayer. Good preaching and teaching, reading and, and interacting with the greater Christian community, and most powerfully, rely on your relationships with your brothers and sisters in the faith. Trusting each other, being accountable to each other, learn from each other, live in this world together, share the resources that you find. I, I have many I'd love to share, and I, I love hearing about those that are feeding you. Do the work of discerning together. There's nothing better than face-to-face -face in the community of faith talking together about where we see God working in our culture, in our community, in our church, and in our own lives, and where we long to see Him. We'll talk more about that next week as well. All of this is, is very simply the process of taking a, a hard, intentional look, and, and these are just the beginning. Our challenge, this is the, the second of... The, the areas of discipleship. Last week we talked about that key of just simply being in love with God, with Jesus. This week it's about being in love with what God is saying and doing in the world and seeing it from His perspective. From my standpoint, honestly, our church's strength is that we really do that first one well. You, as a whole, are a people who truly love God. And you can see that in your lives. And that means everything. The challenge for us is that many of us are older. And the culture around us has shifted. It's changed. And the easiest path is to, to wander off by ourselves and, and grumble about those confounded new gadgets and that everybody's living their lives into now. And how everything and everyone has changed and how I can't keep up. I'm not suggesting that we need to keep up with it all. But neither can we use that as an excuse so as to, to cut ourselves off from the world. And any influence that we would ever want to have on our culture, on, on our younger generations... This is going to be the call of our church for the coming generation because we do believe. We believe that God is working, even in this new culture, this new world. And the real journey for us is to prepare ourselves to engage this culture 
with the delight in the law of the Lord guiding us and seeing creation, fall, redemption, and restoration here right around us today. It is to jump into where God is working today and speak hope to an even more complex and anxious world. More than any time since the early church in the Roman Empire, all believers are called to what is increasingly becoming a cross-cultural mission. Now, I, I thoroughly enjoy learning what is going on in this world, and I, I encourage everyone to satiate their interest in that for the purposes of bringing the good news of Jesus everywhere. But it doesn't have to be complicated either. Let me tell you the story about Eleanor Blackburn. She is a saint that I had the privilege to be pastor to in, in Buffalo, New York. And she is a tiny... She couldn't have been even close to five feet. A tiny, she was a tiny, demure, demure soft talker, always with a, a shy smile. About ten years before I was there, the previous pastor asked her to lead the ISI ministry, the International Students Ministry at Buffalo State University, which was right next to us in our neighborhood. She couldn't believe he would ask her that. She hardly had been out of the neighborhood. And, and she was already a widow in, her, in the 1980s, a widow in her 60s. How was, how was she supposed to help college kids from all around the world? What would I even do, she asked him. And wisely, Jim Hills just said, just love them. And she thought she could do that. And this is what that love involved. She found out about their lives and what they needed. And she did her level best to serve them. They needed to find apartments. Sometimes they needed interpreters. The rest, uh, they, they wanted to find the rest of their countries and languages community in the area and get connected to it. They, they always needed ways to, to get to Target and get things to live with. They needed help figuring out administrative things, things to do with the school, things to do with visas, all sorts of administrative help. They needed to learn how to use shower curtains. They didn't know what that was about. Whatever they needed, she was there for them. And they came they came to her and they trusted her. And they loved her back. She would have Bible studies in people's homes. And, and they would come. Some of them would be reluctant. One student from India, a Hindu, was, was reluctant. And the Bible study happened to be in the house where he had a room upstairs. First he came only sitting out of sight on the top step of the stairs to his bedroom so that he could listen. And after a few weeks, they realized that he was, he was coming one step down each week, further down until ultimately he was part of the group. He came to Christ. Eventually, he became one of the leading evangelists in India. And he would come back about every year to see Eleanor. Eleanor. Because he simply 
because she simply loved them enough to know their needs, cared enough to help with them, and shared the gospel along the way. It's a simple picture of cultural discernment and the key to 21st century discipleship. Let's pray. Lord, it has been hard for Christians through the ages to figure out how to be a Christian in the world. And we've seen all the, all the responses. We still do. But God, we look to you. We look to you, to your word, to your will, to your ways, to your law, to everything, Lord, to you and your perspective and how to see the world, how to live in the world, how to love the world without being swept away the way the world too often is, but how to be anchored in your word, in, in you, Lord, and yet pour your love out on the world with the message of your salvation. God, guide each one of us to be cultural discerners and, and Lord, to live our love, the love we've known in you, in our community, in our families, in, our, in ourselves, and in our church. Lord, we do love you, and we seek to be yours and to share your love everywhere we can. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word and for your love and salvation in Jesus Christ. We pray all this in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen.